With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another episode of A Sound Heart. Uh, I was able to take a brief vacation, and uh, I am thankful that I did. And I was able to enjoy my family and to be away from uh, for a while. So I have found myself uh, throughout that time just reflecting on uh, the the effectiveness of grace, the power of grace, and who God is. And I'm indeed thankful for the gospel and the salvation that I have through Jesus Christ. Uh, I have been a believer for a long time. And when I say that I have been a believer for a long time, I don't mean in a static sense. There, now, having said that, let me state that there was a point in time in which uh, Jesus became my savior. And I just didn't leave it at that event, that initial event. Uh, I undertook this journey uh, through uh, dedicated believers uh, who loved me and guided me. uh, And that, that wasn't easy for them. I was hard headed. And, um, they told me that I had to grow up. Uh, Reverend Rowland, uh, the pastor of Second Baptist Church in Merced, <clears throat> California, uh, knew that I had a call to ministry in my life, and he said that I needed to learn the word, and I, that he said that I had to go to Bible school. And uh, he helped me to prepare for my first sermon. And uh, now before I had gone to coffee shops with him and I sat with him and talked with him, but now uh, things had become serious. And I knew Reverend Rowan was a uh, scholar. Uh, he wrote a material for uh, for Sunday school journals and uh, he wrote Sunday school uh, teaching material. I knew he was a Bible scholar. And now I had entered into his world. He was very demanding, unrelenting and uh, unapologetic, and he told me that I had to learn the word. So I was able to stay with him for a while, and then I had to move back to San Francisco, and then when I moved back to San Francisco, 
I attended the uh, Fellowship Bible Institute, and there I met uh, uh, Reverend Jerome Fleischer, uh, who has been a, a rabbi. And guess what he said? You have to learn the word. And Reverend Bessie Webster, uh, Dr. Webster, also, uh, who's the president of the school, said, you have to learn the word. So uh, I had to learn the word. And I am thankful for these saints. I think about them all the time. And I appreciate them and their ministry in my life. And later on, uh, I had to go to seminary. And uh, so Bible school uh, prepared me for seminary. And uh, I am thankful for the journey that I have taken to learn and study the Word of God. I'm thankful for saints who were unwittingly demanding of me. And that led me to study the Word even deeper. So they challenged me. And I knew that it was the Holy Spirit challenging me. And as I went on to study uh, the Word of God uh, and to uh, prepare a thesis for uh, my master's thesis, I had a professor over me who guided me. And she was very demanding of my writing. Uh, And I'm telling you, Having such people in your life can be very challenging. And what they see, you may not necessarily see. What they know, you may not necessarily know because God guides them. And God uh, guided this professor. uh, I had to turn in a draft of my master's thesis, and he sent it back to me with a <laughs> a, a long list of comments. And so I had to take time to read those comments and study what he was saying and what he wanted uh, brought out in the material. So I knew God was guiding me through this professor. So when God has demanding people in your life, don't run from them. And don't think that they're there to do you harm. They're there through the will of God to help you to grow up. I know this from experience. And it, it may be hard for you at the time, but years uh, down the road, uh, you will look back with fond memories on those difficult periods, and you will see how... God used that time to prepare you for where you are today so that your journey will be mature mature, and that you can be a – your ministry and your life will be far deeper and richer than you would ever imagine. Uh, And walking with God uh, is is, is marvelous. And many of those saints who bless my life uh, they are. They have gone on to be with the Lord, and I'm going to see them again in their glorified bodies. And I thank God for them, and uh, they have helped me. God used them to train me in order to help others. And so uh, I thank God for that. 
So uh, this morning's topic is the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the cosmos, the Lamb of God. And, of course, the Lamb of God is Jesus. Jesus is the Lamb of God. And so I'm going to be reading from John chapter 1. And before that, uh, let us have a word of prayer. I do thank you, Heavenly Father, for this opportunity to meet with your saints. We do thank you for the word. We thank you for the power of the word, the transforming power of the word. We thank you for Jesus, our Savior, Lord. And it is through him that we have eternal life. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity to meet with your people. In Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the word. And that, that should read, was is the word. Was is the word. And the word was with God. Was is with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was his life. And the word there is Zoe. The Zoe means the highest blessedness of the creature. And the life was the light of man. Now, the Greek language uses definite articles where that in places that you will never encounter in English. But uh, the definite articles here are very important. And the life was the light of man. And the light shines in the darkness. The light, the fog shines in the darkness. This is a very important statement. All of these statements are important, but I want you to get the contrast, light and darkness, the light, the darkness, the fog, the scotus, the scotia, the consequences of darkness. But the darkness has not understood it. That should be overtaken it overtaken it uh, with the desire to ruin or obfuscate. So, and in the Greek New Testament, the word darkness uh, is never used in a passive sense. In the Greek New Testament, the word darkness is always used in, a, in an active voice, the active sense, never passive. So there's a powerful dynamic that John has focused on in these words. The eternal light, the eternal life, the life that was never kindled so that it it can never be extinguished, the light that ever was. God is light, present tense. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. 
Now, I love the emphasis uh, that we have there. In him is no darkness at all. In other words, God as to his essential nature, his God as to his essence is light, false. And therefore, unconquerable. The light is never was never created. Darkness, ruin, is the consequences of sin. The darkness is finite. The light is infinite. The darkness is finite. The darkness began with the rebellion and sin of Lucifer, son of the morning, who uh, became the Satan and the Shining One, the Nakash, the Great Dragon, uh, the Adversary, are all point to the devil. But the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overtaken it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. Please read Isaiah chapter 40. He came as a witness to testify. Now, this language is very important. John is a material witness to the character of Jesus. He is a material witness. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light. Every word, every word that's used in the word of God has a precise meaning. The language uh, that John used, the words that John uses, every word has been spirit-led. The Holy Spirit led John to choose certain words in order to communicate the divine message. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him, all men, not John, but through Jesus, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light, the true light. Now notice the modifier true uh, before the word light. The true light. Now, why would John have to, use, have to use that language? Remember, in Genesis 3, we have the Nakash. He was, uh, that is, the shining one. The shining one. And so he took on uh, that, uh, uh, that mode of revelation, that is the devil, in order to deceive. So he was the shining one. So John uses here the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the cosmos. He was in the cosmos, and through the co- and though the cosmos was made through him, the cosmos did not recognize him. The language is very telling. Now, why did the world, why did the cosmos not recognize Jesus? Well, think about 
that John's gospel emphasizes the Judean ministry of Jesus. And it was written, the approximate date there, uh, the writing date is between 80, 90, and 80, 100. And so uh, John's gospel emphasized there are no parables as in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the synoptic gospel. Uh, discourses are emphasized in this particular document. So the people to whom Jesus ministered were under the tutelage and the training of the rabbis, either the school of rabbis from the school of Rabbi Hillel or Rabbi Shemaiah. They were either under the tutelage of the Pharisees who believed in resurrection or the Sadducees who were the religious liberals. The religious liberals, the Sadducees, did not believe in resurrection. It is true the Pharisees uh, and the scribes that we have received uh, uh, the Old Testament uh, manuscripts, we know their part, uh, their major part uh, in facilitating the, the, the events that led up to the resurrection, uh, the crucifixion of the Savior. So we have these documents through them. So the world did not recognize him because of rabbinics and the emphasis on, on rabbinic scholarship. Hence, Jesus never quoted the Talmud or the Mishnah or the Gemara. He never quoted these, these, these writings or commentaries. He never quoted any rabbi. He quoted, thus saith the Lord. Notice, he is the word, the logos. He expresses both the mind and will of God. And through his speech, through his words, he speaks the word of God. He is life. And every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of Jesus are words of life. So therefore, he's not going to quote the writings of man. He condemns the Pharisees for their heavy-handedness with the lives of the people. They were voracious. They, they destroyed the lives of widows and orphans. And they were, Jesus called them, uh, white as sepulchers, full of dead men's bones. And you see, I mean, the language that Jesus uses uh, was those who had the opportunity to teach and lead others to the light. They, they purposely obscured or stood in the way of the light. Jesus had uh, an inflammatory language towards such persons. He is the judge. Please read the book of James. At the last day, he will judge. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. So here we have the rejection of the person of Jesus. He came uh, to bring life, but People rejected 
uh, his message. They rejected him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. So, here is the new reality that you and I experience through the person of Jesus. Uh, We are born anew. And so this new birth will not be of, come from human uh, biological interaction. The new birth is exclusively through the power of God. John will write in 1 John that the, the, uh, the, the, the spermatos, the uh, the, uh, of God remains in us. The seed of God is in our hearts. The Word became flesh. That is the eternal Word who was with the Father, who who was in the bosom of the Father, entered into an estate or condition uh <clears throat> that was brand new, that was heretofore unknown, and made his dwelling among us. That should literally read, he pitched a tent among us. I love the, the beauty of the language. And so his flesh is here, is viewed here as, as a tent. We have seen his glory. Uh, and not the absolute glory of God, not the effulgence, not the the absolute outshining of the glory of God. And John will say uh, that the word uh, is the glory of God robed in flesh. We know from the uh, Gospel of Luke that the Holy Spirit deposited within the womb of Mary that holy thing. He was not, the, as the God-man, something heretofore unknown, uh, not known within the classification. There's no human classification to this unique being. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, this was he of whom I said. Now, remember, John is the cousin of Jesus. He is the cousin of Jesus. This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Now, the Greek language is beautiful. It reads, he has uh, has, uh, become before me. Even the fullness of, of his grace, we have all received blessing, one blessing after another. 
So John says, he was first of me. So you see that language has to be strained in order to bring out the powerful meaning of these words. Uh, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. It is through the law that we have the knowledge of sin. The Ten Commandments were impossible for man to keep. The Ten Commandments, yes, were given to God's people. Now, four of those commandments had to do with worship. That is, man's relationship with God. Six of those commandments has has to do with man relationship, man's relationship with man. And at the center of those commandments, uh, after God, God lays down the commands as to appropriate worship of his person, we have placed the, the importance of mother and father, husband and wife. But no one that's in the Hebraic economy to keep the word of God, uh, to, to keep the Ten Commandments. Hence, we have uh, the sacrifices. We have the Holocaust offering. And a lamb had to be presented without blemish, without spot. The lamb had to be uh, scanned. The, and so, so we could see what was underneath of the skin that it was it was there was no blemish the offering had to be perfect and it is called a holocaust offering because the animal was consumed and the aroma was a sweet smelling savor to god the sacrifice of the lamb pictured Jesus on the cross. The sacrifice of the lamb pictured the wrath of God upon the Son of God on our behalf. Jesus died a substitutionary death. He was my substitute. He was your substitute. And this is why we talk about the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ. The, uh, that offering and the offerings uh, within the Mosaic system pointed to the coming of Jesus Christ. In Genesis 3, we have a death. Adam and Eve had made themselves uh, clothing of what? plant fiber, and in order to cover their nakedness. And God said, who told you you were naked? So a life was sacrificed, and God covered them with the skin of the animal that had been slain. So what do we have in Genesis 3? We have the picture of death and life being given 
through death. And we see this motif carried on into the mosaic economy in, uh, throughout Hebrew, Hebrew history. When we get to the New Testament or the New Covenant, remember Jesus said in the upper room, this is the New Covenant in my what? This new covenant is in my blood. Read Jeremiah 31, in which God talks about the new covenant, the new contract, the new agreement. The law was given through Moses. The law condemns man as a sinner. The law was given through Moses. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The law was given through Moses. But grace, that is God's unmerited favor and what? And truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, in the Greek, truth means that, the word truth means that which conforms to reality. God grounds us. Truth grounds us. Lies leads us astray. In fact, the word pseudos in the Greek uh, means to wander and is the word that, interestingly enough, is used for planetary bodies. Uh, but truth grounds us in that uh, in, 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 in God's absolutes. We're, Paul writes that we're to be what? Rooted, grounded. We're to be rooted in the truth. Truth roots us to reality and that which is eternal. Lies do what? Lies what lead, lead us astray. Lies uh, deceive and create ruin eventually. But the truth stabilizes the heart. Truth will stabilize your heart. Truth will stabilize your mind. Truth will stabilize your emotions. If you decide to stop thinking what humans think and begin thinking Bible doctrine. If you think doctrine then your attitudes will change. If you think doctrine, then your emotions will change. Your mind will change. You will have attitudes towards yourself and others that are consistent with what? With absolute truth. You will find, if you do this, that God will open doors, unimagined doors, uh, to you. If you decide on self-deception, if you decide on self-will, if you decide that you're going to, uh, as a believer, uh, think what humans want you to think, you're going to be in trouble. You're not going to like where your life ends up. Because you're not thinking doctrine. You're not thinking truth. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. When you think truth, 
then you will have the fellowship with God that you want to have, that you desire to have. And Jesus said, truth will set you free. Jesus is the truth. I am the way, the truth, the and the life. People today like to talk about the healing ministry of Jesus. What does that language mean? I look through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and I read about the public ministry of Jesus and those whom he healed, but that was not his ultimate ministry. The healing ministry of Jesus in the word of God pointed to the king and the kingdom. The healing ministry, the ultimate healing ministry of the word of God is what? The, uh, <laughs> people say, well, uh, Jesus healed me, but the Bible says something very different. Paul writes in Ephesians 2 that you and I were dead, were dead, were dead in trespasses and sin. The, the Bible never talks about being healed from death. Never. Now, the Bible teaches that the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Apulia in Greek means that which was destroyed, ruined, destroyed. The Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost or ruined. So the gospel, the good news of grace and truth is that God, what? God brings life out of death. Remember Aaron's rod that budded this lifeless dead stick? God made it what? It produced buds. We bring him ashes. He gives us beauty. We bring him ruin. He brings us life. A life that is meaningful, rich, full, complete. A life that brings satisfaction, the growing grace, Peter writes. And then the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, how much is there to know about Jesus? Jesus is the incarnate word. You and I are finite. How much can we learn? How much life do you want? Get into the word and learn about the kind of life you can have. You want a life that is qualitatively meaningful, stop looking around at people. Stop searching and panting after people for their flattery, their compliments, what they say, what they think. No, no, no. You have stuff alone because you'll become addicted to 
through their stuff. And they people control you through their stuff. Don't be controlled. Don't let your life be controlled by that. And and, and because they're gonna limit your life and you yeah. I don't want you to excel or exceed beyond what, where I think you should go or think you can have. You got to let that stuff go because when you do, you will unshackle your life. You will be free, and you will be astonished at what God will do for you if you are faithful. So verse 18, no one has seen God, ever seen God. But God, the the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Has made him known. I'm not going to go into that word known uh, this morning, uh, but it is really amazing. Now, this was John's testimony. When the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites, to ask him who he was. John had this astonishing ministry in the wilderness. And the Bible tells us how he was dressed and what he ate, locusts and honey. Now, this man uh, had a very fascinating diet. And he was dressed in a fascinating manner. And verse 19, John writes of John, Uh, of John's uh, testimony. So he is a material witness to the person of Jesus. Verse 20, so when the priests and Levites asked him who he was, uh, verse 20, he did not fail to confess. Now, I love that language. He did not fail to confess. Isn't there, this where a lot of believers are today, in their, in their relationship with God, they fail to confess. They fail to confess what God has done for them, who God is in their lives. They fail to confess. But John writes of John, he did not fail to confess, but confessed freely. I am not the Christ. John didn't want, he didn't have approbation lust in his soul. He did not want, what, the applause, the approval uh, of men. And what did Jesus say uh, about the Pharisees? How they love, he talked about how they love uh, the praise of man more than the praise of God. Uh, and in his letter to the Galatians, Paul wrote that if I wanted certain adulations from men, then I should not be the servant of God. And uh, and, and Paul was an ex-Pharisee, so he knew their game. It's all about self-seeking. It's all about all oh, oh, attention-getting and standing on the corners making long prayers so that they could be seen by men, and they had already received their reward. He said, when you pray, but when you pray, go into your secret place. 
and he that seeth thee in secret will reward thee openly. Because your faith and, and what you do before God is, is not a game that's real. They asked him then, who are you? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? I love John. (laughs) John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight uh, the way for the Lord. Now some Pharisees who had uh, been sent uh, questioned him, why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water. But John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. All this happened in at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. On the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, remember when Elizabeth and Miriam met, remember how the baby leaped in his womb. So, In utero, John recognized him. Say, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man comes after me, has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. So the dove is a symbol of of peace. And the fact that the dove remained on him shows the acceptance of who he is. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me that God talked to him. The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. John was a material witness to the person of Jesus. You and I, as believing ones, having not seen him, we love him. Our lives must be material material witnesses to the person of Jesus. By their fruits you shall know them, by what they do. Please read Galatians 5 about the fruit of the Spirit. We're to walk in the Spirit. We're to be led by the Spirit. We're to be filled with the Spirit. We're not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom we were sealed unto the day of redemption. 
we have the earnest of the Spirit. That is a down payment of, of the grace to come. And so we were sealed with the Spirit. We have the earnest of the Spirit. We'd be filled with the Spirit. We're to be led in the Spirit. We're to walk by means of the Spirit. And we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the cosmos. It is my prayer this morning that you have submitted and surrendered to Jesus the death that you are involved in so that he might give you life. God is still giving eternal life to those who receive his son. Bow before the cross, bow before Jesus, and receive eternal life. Good morning. My name is Dr. Josiah Rich, and God bless you. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.